0: This is the Media Week Industry Podcast from the people at mediaweek.com.au. Welcome to a new episode of Mikado and Manning, the weekly Media Week TV podcast. This week, we're going to be talking about a couple of Stan series, Serpent Queen and American Gigolo. We're going to have a look at the um, Emmys. We're going to be looking at the nine up front and a couple of dramas, one of which is already creating some headlines. Uh, but to start, Andrew Mercado, my co-host, we're going to talk about um, Heartbreak High.
1: Yeah wow it's so good James. I'm so happy we've we've got an Australian drama that is uh, a classic Aussie drama that's been remade rebooted and wow they have got it right. I actually think it's better than the
0: original. Yeah look've I've got to tell you I'm, I've only seen the first episode and I went into this thinking oh, Look, I'm not gonna like it. I'm obviously out of the demo.
1: Correct. Right.
0: But and and I that hasn't changed. I'm out of the demo. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. I was impressed by how polished the show was. Yeah, they've spent
1: a lot of money on it, right?
0: Yeah. I mean, the storyline got me in. I thought it was a great opening storyline. Yep. That yep. um the the friendship between two girls who'd been sort of who constructed this sort of um it was a, a make out map, if you like, in the school yeah. about all the all the students who were hooking up with each other. Um, they thought it was secret, but it was in public display in a corridor. So I don't know how they thought no one would ever find it. Um but but and and it's sort of and you still after the first episode, you still don't quite know. The hook is to try and find out why this friendship ended, what what sort of motivated um, one of the girls to sort of fall out with her best friend, Um, but there's plenty of subplots going on about it and, um, look, the direction was great, the music was fantastic. Oh,
1: the music. How much money did they spend for that music? Wow.
0: Yeah, they had some good stuff and lots of it.
1: Yeah, and, like, recent stuff, so they've, they've got a massive music budget and that works really, really well. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was just, it was just really good. I mean,
0: if there's, you know, look, and because I'm so far from that demo, it did look like. I mean, are kids like that these days? I don't know, but, but I'm guessing they probably. And it doesn't matter as long as it's great. It's great TV, you know, and you do want characters that are full of life and bubbly yeah. and and outgoing, and they certainly all are.
1: Yeah, look, uh, there's a lot, it's got a lot of things going for it. I think it's great that they're filming it again at Maroubra because yep. uh, Heartbreak High, the original, it, the, most of it was done there. But when it moved to the ABC, they ended up on the northern beaches. And I've, Maroubra works better because you need to know that this school's in a working class area. It works for them to be able to go to Botany Bay and have that water shots with the industry there. That works for the show. I was also surprised at how much fun it was. It's got a sense of comedy about it. I think that Rachel Howes, uh, the New Zealand actress, is hilarious as the school principal with her little dog in the class. (laughs) Absolutely inspired. That they have brought back Scott Majors to, you know, re bring back his character because his character, River, in the first one, he was a racist and a homophobe and a bully. And he went on a huge journey through the show and he's clearly been on a big journey since he, uh, because who his son and ex-wife turn out to be really go against everything that he used to be when we first met him in Heartbreak High in the 90s. So I think absolutely brilliant. And also Scott Majors now is a very experienced director. He uh, worked on Neighbours. He's making a new drama for Channel 5 now on the Old Neighbours set. And he's been working as a Dramaturg or dramaturge behind the back in the background, which I had a look at. I didn't know what it meant, Uh, and it's someone that just sort of is uh, helping with the the whole process of bringing the new show into uh, a new century. Look, thumbs up all round from me. I thought it was fantastic, and those new actors, the young kids, they found so much talent there. I love it.
0: Yeah, there is. There's some of those people you just know are going to go and have pretty good acting careers ahead of them, I think. Um, yeah, you mentioned Scott Major. The only other person I knew much about on the cast list, I guess, was Ben Oxenbold, who plays yeah. um, the father of the one the girl who sort of breaks up with a friend, Harper. Um, from what I saw of him, he does a really nice job too in that first episode.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, it's, 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 I just think it's really, really well done and look I I vaguely know some of those actors I had a look at IMDB it's like oh yeah I do remember when you were in Home and Away oh yeah I do remember you in the Heights it, it brought it back to me because otherwise it drives me crazy I'm trying to figure out who they all are um, but yeah there's some brand new actors in there it's fantastic and what I really like about this is everyone talks about how gritty the original Heartbreak High was and the truth was that it was pretty much made for a G-rated time slot, and yes. it was only gritty because it had a multicultural cast when nobody else in Australia was doing that. Uh, this one is grittier because they finally got some, it's not just multicultural now, it's multisexual, and they've got a bunch of queer characters in here, which they didn't have in the first version. Whenever they tried to do it, uh, it was deemed inappropriate and 10 had to screen the episode in a PG-rated time slot. I'm glad that it's now on Netflix and they don't have those same censorship concerns around it. I think it's a really, really strong debut. I'm watching episode three now. I'm going to watch the whole thing. I love it. Yeah. Um, I just hope it's getting
0: the, um, getting the publicity it deserves and the hype because I did notice on Netflix today it's not in their rankings of the top shows oh. and it's not in the trending lists. And they were, that trending list is pretty long. So most things when they're up there in their first week tr- usually find a spot in there. Um, and I know that's probably a live list that changes across the day and on weekends, but I hope it's reaching an audience. Um, I had to go and look for the new releases to find it. But, yeah. but it's there. Um, Fremantle Media is the production house, but I guess Ben Gannon, who did the original, right, as the, as the key creative, uh, he's worked with, I think, Michael Jenkins on um, as the EPs on bringing it back.
1: Yeah, yeah. Look, um, it's early days. I think the word of mouth on this will be terrific. Um, I think uh, all the kids that were kids in the 90s watching it, they're probably working jobs now, so they're probably going to binge it this weekend. So, you know, dropping it on a Wednesday is a, is a weird day to, to drop it, uh, mm. but, yeah, I think I think it'll be up there trending
0: real soon. Yeah, great. Okay, so it's on Netflix, eight eight episodes, and I think they're all available um, straight away. Yeah. Um, can we talk about The Serpent Queen? Sure, you were looking forward to this. I was, and I've got to say, I was, you know, again, as I got close to it, I saw some reviews that were sort of middling. Uh, but then I, I got into this and I thought, well, this is really good. Yeah. I thought it was a really smart script. Um, the acting was nice, and I was just loving that that plot line. I mean, it starts in France, 1560, uh, um, where, where the Queen calls a maid into her sort of... Um, um into her suite, if you like, in the palace, and starts to tell her life to her, you know. Yeah. So it, it flashes back to Tuscany in Italy, 1536, and sort of progresses from there. Um, and it was just great. I mean, Charles Dance shows up as the Pope. <laughs> Gee, he has a lot of fun with that role. Um, um and and just the I just thought the the writing was was really clever. There's just some really funny stuff in there. Um you know the um uh, the, anyway that the 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 story is roughly the serpent queen when she was younger both parents died um early on um she got sort of thrown around she ended up working as a maid she was captured by marauding soldiers uh the pope turns up and takes her under his wing um and then he arranges a marriage for her with the seconds son of the king of France as a ploy to try and um stop sort of the the aggro that France is showing towards Italy and sort of you know make a stronger bond between the, the two countries. Um you know and anyway that so they they dress her up they try and um you know because <laughs> there's a lot of talk about look she's not the most beautiful thing in the world and we, we need to make her attractive and and she gets on board and goes yeah look you haven't done enough. You've got to pimp me up with lots of jewelry and finery, and to yeah. distract them a little bit, and to make me seem more worthy. Yeah. Um, and you know, a, and at one stage she's called the orphan offspring of the most despised family in Europe. You know, um, that was really good. And the, you know, and what about the scene where the the pope checks out that she's still um, intact?
1: That's just um, bizarre. <laughs> um, look, I had I, I I don't know this. History. I don't know about the Medici family and all of that. I was like, oh, this is all brand new history for me. And it's weird, you know, because everyone's speaking in a British accent and he's like, oh, those Italians. <laughs> and the other guy in the British accent said, oh, those French. I'm like, oh, are they meant to be Italian? They- oh, right. So you have to disconnect from the accents uh, to get into it. But, look, Samantha Morton was yeah. uh, great playing the serpent queen and clearly there's going to be some sort of – uh story to tell with that maid who ends up sort of uh, thrown into a dungeon at the end of it. Um there's something else going on there, I would assume. So uh yeah. Look, I liked it.
0: Yeah, yeah. That's some of the other lines I liked. Um the um at one stage the 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 Pope's warning her about what's ahead of her when she arrives in France. And then he said, you should know France is a shithole. <laughs> <laughs> No. Yeah, it's the Pope talking. Um, when she gets there, she gets out of the carriage in front of the French royal family, and I think one of the other children, not the one she's to marry, married, looks at her and goes, Is she some sort of aquatic slug? Oh
1: um, my the, the ch-
0: Just not flattering at all. And what about the after the wedding and then the wedding night and the whole family turns up in the bedroom? To watch the, the consummation of the, 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 the wedding, and, and I think it's the king who says, let the joust begin, you know, as they, yeah. they both get onto the bed.
1: Yeah, yeah,
0: just twisted, really weird. Yeah, no, it's I, I really just got into that. I just thought it was fantastic. I think I watched the first two eps. Um, yeah. yeah. You mentioned, yeah, Samantha uh, Morton is really good. Haven't seen her in a lot of stuff. She was in The Walking Dead. She had a role in that. Um, She was in that show Harlots, too, I think. Yeah, I remember
1: that. Yeah. A
0: couple of seasons. She's got a bit of historical sort of um, drama background. She was played Jane Eyre in a 1997 TV movie. And before the year before that, she was Harriet in um, Jane Austen's Emma. Yeah. so she's got some um, some some um, a track record there Charles Dance of course, plays Pope Clement as we, as I mentioned um he played Lord Mountbatten in the Crown um fairly recently he's um he had some he actually played um who did he play he played William Randolph Hearst in Mank that movie about the um the screenwriter Joseph L Mankiewicz yeah. who wrote Citizen Kane it's probably a two-year-old movie now, which it's really good. It's worth people checking that out. He was in Little Drummer Girl. He was in Singapore Grit, which we talked about probably 18 months ago, I guess now. And, of course, he was in Game of Thrones as uh, Tywin Lannister. Yeah, right. And met a fairly grisly death in that from my memory and he was also you probably remember Robert Altman's Gosford Park yes i do remember that, that. was just had an incredible cast list yeah. Yeah. just an amazing movie and he he had a role in that too um also cropping up was Adam Garcia i'm not sure who he was in that Ooh. You know what,
1: I saw him on the credits and just went, what, I missed that. Yeah, I saw his name there, but I watched the thing and missed his moment. Wow, wasn't it? Playing- Maybe he wasn't in that, that he's not in at the very
0: start. And interestingly, in IMDb, his character name's not listed. Right. It just said Adam Garcia, so.
1: Yeah, I mean- and it, 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 you know, he wasn't playing a major character. I mean, it was literally when here's the cast and just as I was getting ready to glance where I suddenly saw him there in the supporting actors. So, yeah, he's not playing a huge character Yeah, much of
0: yeah. Uh, Special shout out to the girl who plays that young Catherine in in that opening episode. It's Liv Hill, um, a a relative newcomer, but she had a role in. um, She had a. She was in one episode of The Great, according to her biography. So, but yeah, no, that's good. It's on. um, That's on Stan. Eight episodes. It's going to be. (coughs) Excuse me, dropping one a week.
1: Yeah. Yeah, look, there's a not. There's so many new shows at the moment. Have we talked about why all these shows are coming? It's because it's the start of the US fall TV season in America. Yeah. So, you know, once upon a time in Australia, we had to wait till February <laughs> for the networks to show us, but now we all watch shows around the world simultaneously.
0: Yeah, look. Also from Stan, eight episodes, and they're also dropping once a week. Is like the remake or the TV version, if you like, of American Gigolo.
1: So I really, really liked this. There was a darkness to this that I kind of really liked. Um, This one goes in hard with the darkness right at the beginning. If you think of the original Richard Gere movie from 1980, he's driving around and Deborah Harry's singing a theme song and he's able to be cool and you get all that sense before he ends up in the murder mystery. This one here, he's in jail and he's been in jail for a long time and he's being released for the murder mystery that's happened back in the day and what I really like about this version is that um, you you get a flashback to his childhood and see what happened that turned him into a sex worker and it's quite shocking and Mm. I think that childhood trauma is going to be something they're going to be able to use in future episodes as he tries to find out who set him up for this murder all these years ago. I, I thought it was terrific.
0: Yeah, and you know I have problems with flashbacks sometimes, but I thought they did it quite well in this. Yeah. There's a few different ones. It goes back to when he's, he's like pre-teen. Yeah. And then it goes into his he's a later teen. Yeah. And then, of course, it's his time in prison and then his time out of prison. So there's a little bit going on in the, the different time spans. Um, you mentioned the Blondie theme. That crops up again near the start of this. Then there's a nice acoustic version uh-huh. at the end of that first episode, uh-huh. uh, which was a nice touch. Um, what else? The the oh. cast. I thought Rosie O'Donnell was pretty good, actually. Yeah. She plays a detective. It's not a huge role, but she's huh? quite pivotal to the story. Yeah, I she pulled it off
1: very well. And, I mean, that song, Call Me, is quite pivotal too. I mean, yeah. Bondi wrote that track for American Gigolo. It's their second biggest single of all time, I presume, after uh, Heart of Glass. Um, and I actually went looking uh, myself to say, and I found a, ver- a version of the Call Me, uh, a cover version done by Samantha Fox and Sabrina in <laughs> 2012. So I immediately downloaded that. Thanks, girls. Did they do it together? They did it together wow. as a band. And it's just like, you know, they're both the... Uh, I just think it's fantastic that, you know, and then I found a clip on YouTube where they were singing it live and Sabrina was introducing her as I saying, you know, the press likes to make out that we hate each other. We don't. We love each other. We're friends. And out comes Samantha Fox. So yeah, call me. It's uh that song's been around for quite a while.
0: Uh, just a quick aside, those two were both huge in their day. I mean, Sabrina, I think she was Italian from memory, and she wow. had a she we um, she had a couple of singles that took off. Sam Fox, of course, was quite big for a longer period of time. Yeah. Um, I I met her. I went to see, I interviewed her in London. At her record, was it Jive Records? I'm trying to remember the name of the label. Anyway, it was above a little, it was in above a shop, I think, in a sort of inner city London. I went, did an interview with her in a record company. And I also met her on the set of Countdown. Wow. Uh, She was with Peter Foster because she had a sort of on and off relationship with him. Yep. Uh, And he was sitting there beside her during the interview.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know what sort of a boyfriend Peter Foster was, but she's a lesbian now. But. You know, I was listening to, I was just listening to uh, Gavin Scott and Matthew Denby talking about Sabrina on their Stock Aitken Waterman podcast. And I was talking about the fact that that film clip she did for Boys, 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 there was a nip slip in it. (laughs) Um, And, you know, the fact that she had massive breasts and the bikini top slipped down in the pool and you saw her nipple that you know Matthew Denby was talking about how that song was being played on Australian TV on MTV at 1030 at night and in, that wasn't a that they'd never played a lot of pop and they'd certainly never played a lot of euro pop but you get a topless moment in there and suddenly boys 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 becomes a big hit in Australia fascinating
0: yeah Look, can we get back on track? Let's talk about John Berthnall, yeah. who plays Julian, the title role in this. Yeah. Um, you recognise him from Michael in The Bear? I did ben. not recognise him from The Bear. Who is he playing so, in The Bear? So, so Michael's the guy who took his own life and you see him in flashbacks in some no, of the scenes.
1: Not, I haven't picked that up. it's a relative, but I haven't made the connection between the two shows yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, so that was interesting. I like that. And he was also in the Unforgivable with uh, Sandra Bullock. Uh, a movie. It was. It was okay. I think it might have been a Netflix film from memory. I'm not too sure. Gretchen Mol's in this. Um, yep. She plays a sort of love interest for the for the for the gigolo, if you like. Um, I thought she was pretty good. Don't know a lot about her. She played uh, the title role in the Notorious Betty Page. Yeah. Which, uh, about 20 years ago, um, 15 years ago, sort of glamorous American pin-up star from the, what, early in the last century, wasn't she, Betty Page? I don't know yeah.
1: much about her. Yeah, yeah. She was like, a, like, I kind of think of her as being the 1950s, kind of doing that kind of dominatrix look. But she was like a pin-up be- be- pre-Playboy. Yeah, pre Munro, maybe just yeah, probably, yeah,
0: might have overlapped with Munro, and then yeah. Wayne Brady plays a Lorenzo, a mate of um of um the title character Julian, who sort of helps him out with the, some jobs and stuff like that. Yeah, but yeah, I think yeah, we we both liked that, didn't we, American Gigolo?
1: Yeah, I mean, it was fascinating to read that. You know, when this project was first talked about in two thousand and sixteen. Director Paul Schrader and Richard Gere were going to do it, but uh, something it, it fell over, and we've got this this version now. But look, John, you know, I think uh, so far that they've done a really good job, and uh, you know, that's a really recognizable title, American Gigolo. I'm not surprised at all that someone's decided to remake it or do this. Well, what is this? This is sort of like it's sort of like a reboot prequel sequel in a way sort of (laughs) it's you know
0: it's yeah it's interesting sure sure look let's finish up today with a couple of talking points if you like let's start with the emmys Mm -hmm. um my main takeaway was that gee where do we go wrong on white lotus it's um it it won nearly everything i know it was so much talked about everybody thought it was bloody brilliant of I've got to make an effort and give it another crack, I think.
1: God, I'm not watching it again. It was bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was great. We had some great emmy great to see Murray Bartlett, a really solid Australian actor who's made a lot of great shows uh, here in Australia, and then he went over to America to do the daytime soap Guiding Light. He was in Sex and the City. He was in Looking. He was in Armistead Maupin's Tales of the City for Netflix. He's a great great director and as much as i didn't like the white lotus he was good in it and mm-hmm. he deserves that emmy for best uh supporting actor in a miniseries or whatever it was and look you know jennifer coolidge winning her award and doing her little dance as the orchestra was trying to play her oh, off. what
0: about trying to cut her off that was
1: they were they, they were so quick
0: those um so to play big. people off weren't they
1: yeah. But, I mean, I don't think anything can really top Cheryl Lee Ralph, oh, uh, the you. actress from uh, that show that I've tried to watch and don't really get, Abbott Elementary. Um, she just sang this incredible, without an orchestra, she just kind of did that, uh, that, that aria or what she was doing. It was amazing. Um, so that was the highlight of the Emmys for me and the lowlight was that dreadful opening, the dance Let's do Mm. dance sequences to TV themes. As soon as they said that, I thought, oh, no, this is going to be shit. (laughs) And it was. Why do they do that? Why do you open a show with the most shittest thing? Like, don't do it. Tell two more jokes. Don't go to these pathetic song and dance routines.
0: Yeah, yeah. The um, Succession didn't win much until the very end and it won the big award. I thought that speech was awkward where the producer was trying to reference the queen and the royal yeah. family. I thought just don't go there. It's not don't necessary. You know, yeah. just be grateful and thank who you have to. Don't you yeah. know? And yeah. the, the people around him looked or oh, don't you know trying to stop him from yeah from digging a hole for himself. Now but I've got a problem with Brian Cox. Now he said something about the series.
1: Now remind me what he's done. He has bagged out your favorite shot <laughs> He has he was asked how long should succession go for? Yes and said, oh, you want you want to retire when you're at the top of the game. You don't want to sort of drag it out and, and then he referenced billions as yeah. a show that's been that's going too long and has oh, worn it. out.
0: It's welcome. Stop it. Look <laughs> I, I understand what he's saying, but he he obviously hasn't watched it because that that most recent series was a cracker. Yeah. I mean, you know. I mean, yeah. I In theory, you would think he's before you. If you hadn't watched this series, you think, oh yeah, they should have gone out on a high. But no, they it was just fantastic. You know, it yeah, was. Yeah. Uh, and I think that the fans have realised that and have stuck with it. So sorry, Brian, you're a bit bit out of uh, step here, mate. But it was it was funny seeing him. He was like on Q and A last week, Brian Cox, and he was on there was weekend interview. I think he was at. um readers festivals maybe in writers
1: Festival yeah, yeah and
0: he did something in Sydney too on Saturday and Sunday and then here he is in suddenly in LA at the um yeah. uh, amongst all the the glitter at the uh, Emmy Awards uh the nine upfront has just been held this week a yeah. couple of interesting uh, takeaways now we we focus on drama so let's look at that um one of the shows coming is human error. Uh, from John and Dan Edwards, with uh, one of the other key creatives is Greg Hadrick, yep. who was a part of the sort of one of the drivers of the Underbelly franchise during the Golden News for Nine and it's screen time. Uh, that sounds if it might be promising.
1: Yeah, yeah, it does. I mean, true crime always works and Nine... Had great success uh, this year with their underbelly Melissa Caddick story that they rushed to air. It yep. worked; people watched it. Yep. Um, true crime always works.
0: Yeah, it's going to end the year. I was arguing this with someone last night. Our our friend David Knox, in fact, who I saw from uh, Mister TV tonight was at the uh, upfront, and we were. De- and I'm saying, look, underbelly was possibly the biggest show of the year, and he said bigger than the block, and I said, wow. Maybe if you just go by the average audience and you average all the blocks, and we worked it out, yeah, that, um, I think it was 1.6 the total TV audience yeah. for, yeah, was for underbelly. And that hasn't been beaten yet. It, yeah. It might be, but there's nothing on the horizon. Now, the show
1: making a few headlines is, um, warning Yeah. So Shane Warne's daughter isn't very happy. She's come out on Instagram and said, this is really disrespectful of nine, given how much. Shane Warne did with Nine. She's not happy. She thinks it's disrespectful to the family to make an unauthorised bio, but, you know, how long would it take us for the family to do an authorised bio? And then, of course, they would uh, maybe take out some of the more unmentionable moments. I mean, the only way to tell the warning story is unauthorised because that's what people want to see. And you're right, it is very soon. But, you know, Nine has form in this. You know, they they announced the Melissa Caddick story a couple of days after the, her foot was found on the beach. Suddenly Nine were making the miniseries. So, you know, this is just, this is what TV does. It takes real life and it, it does its adaptation. And the family is never happy. Chloe Latanzi wasn't happy when Channel 7 made that unauthorized uh, miniseries about Olivia Newton-John. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, yeah, there's no kind of happy medium there. The the networks are going to make these shows and, uh, unfortunately, the family isn't going to have much say in it.
0: No, and I mean, and I guess Olivia Newton-John and Warnie were slightly different, aren't they? Because well, I think it's fair to say Warnie really cashed in on his fame. Yeah. You know, made the most of it. Yeah. And would he be upset? Possibly not as much. You understand why the family is, has some concerns, but yeah. but that's what the entertainment business is about, isn't it? Um yeah. And people go along and watch them, so, you know. Yeah. They, they don't have problems with it, so that's yeah. the way it is. Yeah. All right, look, we didn't get to Bali 2000, but we're going to save it for next week because the there's week. so much on it. deserves a, a bit of a longer chat. Um, yep, I've had a bit of a peek. It's uh, it's pretty good. So if you if you get the chance to to tune in between now and and when we um we get, I think you could you know it's uh well worthy of your time. But just reminding in those other shows we liked this week, um we loved um, Heartbreak High. And we've got a lot of time, as also for um Serpent Queen and American Gigolo. Andrew, what are you talking about in your media
1: week column this week? Uh, I'll talk about all of this. Uh, I it's one weird thing that's happened this week, James, is that Monarch, the country music nighttime soap with Susan Sarandon, which was meant to be on Paramount Plus on Wednesday, yep. still there. Okay. All day yesterday, or Tuesday it was meant to be there. And so I don't understand why it's not there. Um, so, yeah, hopefully. We'll oh, investigate that too and yeah, yeah. have the answers. Yes,
0: please. All right. Good stuff. All right. Thank you. You can read Andrew in Media Week every Friday at uh, mediaweek.com.au or in our free daily email, the Media Week Morning Report. Um, Of course, tell your friends about this podcast, like us or follow us. You can listen on all your favourite platforms. We'll see you next week, Andrew. Thanks, James. Have a great week.